chapter 5, and we're going to look in verse number 38, and, uh, I, and I'll tell you this in just a little, I'll tell you now, this passage of scripture, this is a tough passage of scripture for me personally, because this scripture, it, just, it naturally does not speak to my heart, and so whenever we get there, I think you might understand it a little bit, but it is from God, therefore it's not from me, so we're going to take him over what I have to say, but I'm just going to be honest with you, this is a tough one for me. And I want to start off by telling this story. I've told this story before, but I really like this story because I think it's great. So I'm going to share it with you again. And if you uh, have heard it before, act like you haven't. Uh, it's an old story. It's about a guy. It's a, a truck driver pulled in to a truck stop, and he goes in to get a hamburger. And uh, so when he gets to the hamburger, it comes out, and there's a, a, a motorcycle gang had driven in at the same time. So as soon as he gets his hamburger, there's a guy from the motorcycle gang walks over and grabs his hamburger and takes a big bite out of it. And he just throws it down on the table and says, what you going to do about that? And the truck driver just kind of looks up at him like, you got to be kidding me. He doesn't say anything. He just gets up. He goes and pays, pays for the hamburger and drives off. Now, the, 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 uh, the motorcyclist looks at the waitress, and he said, that, that guy wasn't much of a man, was he? And she looks at him and, said, and she's looking out the window, and she goes, I don't know if he was much of a man or not. She goes, I can tell you one thing. He's not much of a driver. He said his 18-wheeler just ran over six motorcycles. Now, I love that story, and I like that story so much because I'm like, that is a guy that got exactly what he deserved. I love it when people get to mete out a little justice. Uh, but here's the problem. Today in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, it actually does not promote that type of a lifestyle. And so today we're beginning a new series of messages, and it's called Unshakable, the Call to be different. And one thing that God has done, one thing that Jesus does and what he teaches is he calls his followers, he calls believers in Christ to live their lives differently than everybody else. And if we really do that, then that's going to impact the way that we live. It's going to impact the way that we talk. It's going to impact the way that we uh, spend our time, the way that we spend our money, all these different things. And, and so we're going to see today in our scripture that Jesus has called us to be different. Now you might say, well, why are we supposed to be different? Well, whenever Jesus touches your life, he makes you different. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And one of the ways that we're going to look at today on how we are to be different is that we have been called, and this is kind of a tough one here, but we have been called to be the bigger person. Have you all ever heard that before? And if you, uh, if you have a mother like mine, uh, you would hear that often. You need to be the bigger person. And I was like, well, I like being a small person. But th this is the calling that we have from God. We are called to be the bigger person. And today in our scripture, that's exactly what we're going to see Jesus teaching. He's talking to his followers, and he will teach them that it's important that as followers of him, that we are the bigger person. And, and if you do that, it's going to make you different than everybody else. And so that's why we're looking at Matthew 5, verse 38. And as you look in that passage of Scripture, uh, this is a part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the most famous sermon that has ever been preached. It's been called the Constitution of Christianity. 
I mean, as you go through uh, Matthew 5 and you read on through, through that scripture, you're going to see basically it is a call that God has given us as believers and how we are to live our lives. And, and one of the callings that he gives us is about being the bigger person. Now the question is, well, how do we do that? You know, how am I supposed to be the bigger person? Well, it begins with this. First of all, to be the bigger person, you're going to relinquish your rights. Now again, like I said, this does not naturally speak to me. I mean, if, if I'm going to be the bigger person, then I am called by Jesus to be willing to relinquish my rights. Now, I want, to, I want you to look with me and see what Jesus says in verse 38. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn, to the, turn the other to him also. Now, are, are y'all are y'all, familiar, y'all familiar with that? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, we're, we're, I think most of us, if you grew up in the church especially, you're familiar with that. This is actually uh, from an Old Testament scripture. It's a, expounded on a little bit more. It's found in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 and 20. It says, if any man inflicts a permanent injury on his neighbor, whatever he has done is to be done to him. It's a little broader here. It says fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he inflicted on the person, the same is to be inflicted on him. Now, this is a part, basically, of the law in the Old Testament. You can look at that and say, well, what is, what is the purpose uh, that is behind this scripture right here? And, and very often, what we do is we take that scripture and then we go over to what Jesus said. A lot of people have interpreted this to mean, well, if you're a Christian... Whenever somebody does something bad to you, you're just supposed to sit back and get steamrolled. Uh, that you are to be, you know, Christians are to be, you know, like a doormat for other people. We are never to respond. We're never to say anything. And so it's the question is, well, what, what, the, what is the meaning? Is that what the meaning is? Well, I want to share with you what the purpose of this law was. It, it was saying originally back in the book of Leviticus that whatever whatever crime was done against you, the person who perpetrated it, the same thing was to be done to him. This was for the court of law. This was not to be a personal mandate. And the idea behind it was to basically be a deterrent. Hey, if you do this, same thing's going to happen to you. It was to serve as a deterrent. You know, when you know there's a punishment, oftentimes it can be a deterrent. Uh, As a kid, I knew this. Uh, In my life, there, there were certain things that I did not do growing up for a very simple reason. It was my dad. Uh, because my dad, would he would meet out. He's not here today, so if you're looking for him, he's gone. So I'm gonna, I can tell stories about him, but I won't. But he, uh, he would meet out justice. And, uh, and I, did not, I didn't want to be a part of that. Now, mom's, mom's discipline was real different than dad's. Uh, because when dad's came, it, it really hurt and so I was like, you know what, I don't want to do this because I know that if I do this, then, then dad is going to spank me. And I, I didn't want any part of that. So that is the idea. You know, punishment can serve as a deterrent. And that was really the first part of the meaning behind this law. But, but the sec- there's a second meaning behind this eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that was to prevent excessive punishment 
based on personal vengeance. And so I think a lot of times we, we like the idea of personal vengeance. You know, if you do that to me, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that to you and more. Uh, one of my favorite movies when I was growing up uh, was the 1987 classic, The Untouchables. Y'all remember that movie? I don't really recommend watch. I watched it again. I was like, ooh, that was a little rougher than I remember. But there was a, a character by Sean Connery. Uh, he played Jim Malone, and he's, he's talk, talking to what Elliot Ness, and he says, listen, if you want to get Capone, Capone, here's what you have to do. He says, here's how you get him. He said, he pulls a knife. Y'all remember this? He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends somebody to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. I'm gonna be, man, I love that. I mean, I see that, and I just like get all fired. Yeah, you know, you, 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 you mess with one of us, you put us in the hospital, we're going to put you in the morgue. And then he ends it up by saying, because that's the Chicago way. Now, I think humanly speaking, man, I just, that, that speaks, does that speak to you? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, guys, I mean, come on, we, you know, you're at, we're in church, I know. But that just, that's like, yeah, man, I love Sean Connery. That's a great line right there. But guys, let me tell you something. Scripturally, that's not where we're at. Now, did you know that God's way is not the Chicago way? I mean, as a matter of fact, if you look in, verse, look in verse number 39, if you have your Bible, you look there, uh, Jesus said, do not resist an evildoer. That, that word resist is, means, it means to retaliate. Don't retaliate against someone who wrongs you. Oh, then that does not speak to me. Now you might say, well, what if somebody's trying to kill me? What if somebody's trying to harm my family? It is not referring to that. You are, you are called to protect yourself, you protect your family. But it's speaking of personal insult. When somebody insults you, Jesus says you do not retaliate. He says in our, our text, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, what, what did Jesus say you're supposed to do? Turn to him the other cheek also. Okay, now here's what's interesting. Now to us, it's like, you know, somebody comes up and just you know, slaps me. Okay, now think about it. Most people are right-handed. If you are slapped on the right cheek, where does that slap come from? Because most people are right-handed. It would be hard to slap somebody on the right cheek. What it's speaking of is getting backhanded. And that, that is a personal, that was a personal insult to be backhanded. Jesus says when someone insults you in that way or insult, he says, do not, do not retaliate. Now you might say, well, I can't do that. That's hard. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's not fair. That's not right. And let me tell you something. I agree with you. But Jesus doesn't. I mean, Jesus set the example for us. In 1 Peter 2, 23, here's how Jesus responded. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was suffering, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. You know, we, we surrender. When you follow Jesus, you surrender what you perceive to be your rights. You surrender yourself to God. And you entrust your life to him. You might say, well, why would I do that? Because when you follow Jesus, you know, he, he owns you. He, he, you belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. 
So I look at our scripture today. If I'm going to be the bigger person, as Jesus calls me to be, he says, you're going to relinquish your rights. But the second thing I see is if I'm going to be the bigger person, I'm also going to give more than is expected from me. Now look with me in verse number 40. It says, as for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. Well, what is, what is that all about? If someone wants to sue me, I'm supposed to, you know, I give them my clothes, but I also give them my coat as well. Now, Proverbs, here we'll try to explain it like this. Proverbs 15.1 tells us, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Like, I love Proverbs. Proverbs is very practical. I read Proverbs 51. That, it, that is absolutely true. Totally makes sense to me whenever I look at that, uh, that scripture. Most of you already know this. You know this by experience. Uh, you know, I know if a situation is tense, one of the worst things that I can do is to respond to it. You know, if you're driving down the road and you have that person who, who comes up next to you and then they just sort of cut you off, and then you decide that you're going to respond by tailgating, does that lower the temperature? No, that is not a good move. If you want to lower the temperature, what do you do? You ram him in the back, right? No, what do y'all, come on, y'all, wake up. What do you do? Uh, you just you let it go. You just, you just back off. Now, if you, if you back off, then it's not going to flare up. And then that is what Jesus is talking about here. Now, here's the deal with the clothes. If you look in verse number 40 again, it says, if somebody sues you and wants to take away your shirt, what's that all about? Well, if a person didn't have money and they sue, oftentimes they would sue for your clothes. And so you'd have to give, you'd have to give your clothes. And then Jesus says, hey, don't just give him your shirt. Give him, give him your coat as well. Okay, why, why would I give him my coat? Well, the court of law would never call you in this day, would never call you to give away your coat because your coat generally was made out of wool and it was used at night because it gets cooler at night. It was to be used as a blanket to keep you warm. So, and, and if you took away a person's coat and you kept it away from them, then it could do serious like physical damage to a person. As a matter of fact, there was a law against doing this. In Exodus twenty two twenty six, it says, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak as collateral, return it to him before sunset. And so, so Jesus is saying, well, what you're doing here, he says, you're actually going the extra mile. They want your shirt. He says, go ahead and give them your coat as well, even if you're innocent. Because if you do that, then what you were doing is you were showing that person that you want your relationship to be right with them even though you are innocent and that is going to be an eye-catching moment when they're going to be wondering, why would they do something like that? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. You see, whenever we, we live in this way, when we give more than is expected, we're, yeah, we're acting like Jesus. I mean, that's what Jesus did. You know, there's a pastor, and he, his family was invited to go to Disney World with a member of his congregation. You know, I'm, and I'm not making a pitch for this. I'm just telling you a story. And so uh, the guy in the, the church said, hey, listen, I want to take you and your family to Disney World with us. He said, but here's the deal. If you go with us, we're paying for everything. He said, I, the way we're getting down there, he said, we're, we're going to pay for your trip. When you get there, we're paying for the hotels. We're paying for all your food. We're paying for the tickets. He said, but here's the deal. If you try to pay for one thing, you're going to pay for it all. He said, so if you come with me, he said, you are completely coming with me. Now, that is Jesus. 
Jesus says, if you're going to come with me, I'm paying for everything. I'm going to pay for everything. Everything is on my bill. Now, as followers of Jesus, we are to emulate Jesus. And so whenever we give more than is expected of us, it is something that is eye-catching for people, and it's something they don't understand. You know, one of my favorite things about how Village Church has operated through the years is our, our ministry and our desire is to be a people of service. And we've never looked at our community as being, what can the community do for us? We have always said, how is it that we as a group of believers, how can we serve the community in which we live? And one of my favorite things is whenever we do things, you know, we always do things, we do things, we do things for, I say for free, I mean, y'all are paying for those things, but we do it for the community. And people always come up to me and they'll ask, hey, is, do we pay anything for this? And I just, I usually tell them, yes, you just make it out to, Make it out to cash. And I'm kidding. And, I, and so my favorite part is to be able to tell people, say, no, no, this Village Church is doing this because it's a simple way for us to show you how Jesus loves you. You know, it is so easy for Christians to miss, to miss out on this kind of an opportunity when we're trying to hang on to things that we think are rightfully ours. But we, we belong to Jesus. And whenever we act like Jesus... It, it gets people's attention. You know, it means that we're different. And, and I see that Jesus has called us to be different. And if we're going to be the bigger person, he says you relinquish your rights. He says you give more than expected. And the final step to take to be the bigger person is this. Be willing to be inconvenienced. You know, I'm all about convenience. And then Jesus says be willing to be inconvenienced. I struggle with this. Look at, look at verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile... Go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I, and I, I know that this is an easy uh, answer to the question. Y'all, y'all know the phrase "go the extra mile." Y'all know that one. This is this is where it came from. Okay, so what's this talking about? You have to remember now. At this time, the world power was the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire they they, they dominated the ancient world. So they'd go into all these different territories. And one thing that they did is that the Romans were famous for was they built roads. As a matter of fact, throughout the Roman Empire, there were 50,000 miles of roads. Now, they built these roads so that they could transport their troops quickly to all of their empire. And all those roads, guess where they led back to? Rome. All roads lead to Rome. So that's, that's where this comes from as well. So all these roads, so as the soldiers were traveling, if they were carrying a pack, if they saw somebody who lived in one of these areas, they could tell that person by law, they said, you take my pack and carry it a mile for me. Now, that's not going to win. I mean, if you're, if you're a person that lives like in, let's say you're living in Judea during this day, and you're on your way to work, and a Roman soldier comes up to you and gives you a pack, by law, you have to carry that pack for them. Now, do, is that an inconvenience? Absolutely. I mean, that's not how you win friends. Man, I don't want to do that. i got things to do myself, and you're going to make me carry your pack a mile? And then Jesus comes up with this teaching. Don't just carry it one mile. Carry it two. Now, do you think, do you think that was a, do you think that would be real, would that be real popular with you? Now, what in the world? What, I mean, what's the, what, what is Jesus doing here? You know, I'm carrying it a mile. Why would I want to go another mile? Well, for one thing, it's to show, it would have been to show that Roman soldier 
that his power over you was not unlimited. You were fulfilling the law, but Jesus calls us now to live in grace. And grace is going beyond the law. Grace is going the extra mile. And whenever you go the extra, can you imagine being that Roman soldier? You're carrying your pack, you finally get to that mile marker. Hey, man, let's go ahead and do another mile. What, what, how do you think that Roman soldier is going to respond? He's going to think, what in the world? You think he's going to think, well, this is different. Absolutely, he's going to think it's different, and he's going to be wondering why that person would be willing to go the extra mile. Christians, we are to be people who are willing to go the extra mile because it gets people's attention. And we're able to share with them, we're going the extra mile with you because Jesus went the extra mile for me. You know, a second-mile person is the kind of person that whenever maybe, maybe their spouse tells them, hey, I'd like for you to vacuum our bedroom. Second-mile mile Christian, this is a small example. Second-mile Christian, he's going he's gonna to vacuum the whole house. Uh, a second-mile Christian, whenever he's at work and he has somebody who gives him a hard time, he's going to express kindness to that person. A second-mile second Christian is the kind of person that whenever somebody comes up to him and says, would you pray for me, that he prays for him then, and he continues to pray for him as time goes on. I, you know, I, I saw a great example of a second-mile Christian earlier this, uh, or actually last month, October, there was a case in Dallas, and I'm sure a lot of you prob- probably saw it on the news. It was that there was a young man, and his brother was in his apartment when a police officer came into his apartment and she pulled out her gun and killed him. And her defense was, I thought he was in my apartment. She was on the wrong floor. And so a judge, they, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And so there, there were demonstrators outside that were very upset. They said that was not, was not a harsh enough penalty. But in the trial, if you, if you watched uh, the news, you saw that the victim's brother spoke He's a Christian. And when he spoke, this is after the sentencing, he spoke and, and he gave us an example of what it looks like, and in an extreme case, but what it looks like to be a second mile Christian. And so I'd just like for you to watch this about a minute, minute and a half video of the news report that was done. A powerful scene in a Texas courtroom. A man whose brother was shot to death by a Dallas police officer forgiving his brother's killer and embracing her. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I I, I personally want the best for you. And I I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best 
for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ right right after that the judge walked down and gave her personal Bible to the lady who shot his brother she read John 316 to him and that lady gave her life to Christ now here and which is so interesting so here's a lady in her place of condemnation she found forgiveness and freedom and then I I thought about the brother and I thought about this passage of scripture and I thought this all was precipitated by a young man who was willing to lay down his rights who was willing to give more than was expected and who was willing to do something extremely inconvenient because he's a second mile Christian and he wanted that lady to experience the grace of God just like he had experienced as well now, now what did that do? Well, it, it obviously changed that lady's life, but it, it grabbed the attention of the entire nation because it is so out of character for who we are as people. Now, now why would he do that? Well, it's because that's what Jesus did for him. It's what Jesus did for you. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. Now think about that. Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed for our sins. Even Pilate, the Roman governor who meted out justice to Jesus, he found Jesus to be innocent. And yet Jesus allowed the, the whole process to continue because he wanted to go the second mile for you, for me, so that we might be restored and made right with God. Now, the culture that we live in today, and man, I, I am so influenced by it as well. But our biggest thing is, and don't disrespect me. Let me tell you something. I, I'll be honest, I, I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing don't disrespect me. I'm tired of people who are constantly offended. I'm tired of me being constantly offended. Because when I look at the scripture, I am humbled by it. I think, well, how do I overcome that? I relinquish my rights. I give more than expected, and I, I need to be willing to be inconvenienced. Now, now, let me tell you, if we live like this, God will move. If we live like this, people will be changed. If we live like this, people will see Jesus. And we have the opportunity to live like this. You, you want to see the Lord move? Give more than expected. You want to see people's hearts changed? Let me tell you something. It will occur whenever people look to you and see that you are willing to be inconvenienced. When you have neighbors that are dying apart from God and you go the second mile for them, it will get their attention. Their life can be rescued. Their life can be changed. Jesus has called us to be different. And the way that it begins today, he says, start off by being the bigger person. It's a big challenge, but we can do it through his power. Mm -hmm.